Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name on this Sunday. We pause to invoke your name on this service. Everything that we say and everything that we do, Lord, we ask that you bless what is yours, that you would bless this your day, that you'd bless your word as we study that in a few moments, that you would bless your people, and Lord, that you would bless your presence in here among us. Lord, we confess our sins and ask that you would wash us clean, that you would take away all distractions in our mind that would prevent us from receiving what it is you've got for us today, that this time would not be wasted on our account, but that we would take full advantage of our time at your feet. Lord, we also thank you for this room and for others that are gathered uh, electronically, the body of of Christ known as Wake Chapel. we, We thank you for such a blessing. We also ask that you be with other churches that gather similarly today, however they gather, and that your word would be proclaimed, that your word would have its witness, that they would encourage one another, and again, that the time spent together would be time well spent. Lord, I ask your blessings on the remainder of this service, and all for your glory and honor, we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, it's good to see so many of you today, and uh, as well, those that are gathered electronically over the live stream, we're, we're still thankful each week to the Lord for the ability to communicate and fellowship such as it is that way. But it's good to see your faces having been away for two weeks. Uh, I think this is the longest vacation we've ever had. We took our two weeks and stuck a few days on the front of it. And uh, it felt long there, and that was at the beach. So uh, maybe it feels like I've been away forever and wasn't coming back. But we did come back, and we're glad to be back. And it's good to see you all. And thank you for the opportunity to be away and uh, to spend our time together as a family uh, with undivided attention. It, it really was good. Um, two weeks ago, our youth pastor, Seth Carter, uh, delivered the message uh, on the topic of grace. And last week, uh, you heard from my good friend Mark Talbert. He picked back up in John chapter 15. We'll be in John again next week. It's my privilege this morning to introduce a third speaker, and he's no stranger uh, to this church family. Uh, He is spending his junior year at university at North Greenville, and uh, when he's done with that, studying the Bible there, along with many other uh, topics necessary for a liberal arts education, he plans to finish up at seminary, and uh, that'll likely be Southeastern. But it's been my privilege to spend time with Preston, get to know him, and uh, to arrange settings like this. It's uh, not just a privilege, but a joy as well. And uh, it was a year ago that uh, I sat on the front row and listened to you deliver a message to us. It's even a bigger privilege today to do the same 
to sit and to listen. So would you, Preston Pierce, deliver the word to us. Thank you, Pastor Isaac. Good morning. It is good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Um, I know I hate I hadn't really been around um, at all this year much. I know with being at school down in uh, North Greenville in South Carolina and um, did an internship this summer um, at Fairview Baptist down the road in Apex. Uh, But I'm very thankful to be here this morning with you all and just to be able to study um, the Word together. It, It means a lot to me. And if you have your Bibles, open up with me to the book of James, chapter 3. Um, we'll be digging in there this morning at uh, verses 13 to 18. Um, I know for this sermon, this time, this um, coming off of preaching around the same time last year, I would have um, continued in the series in um, John that Isaac's doing, um, but I'm taking a preaching class this um, semester And this will be a good practice sermon for that, for a sermon that I'll have to preach um, later on down the road. Um, On this very same passage, I had to pick a passage out of James. And this is the passage that I chose. And um, so I'm very looking forward to it. So if you have um, your Bibles open to James 3, verse 13, I'll be reading there for us. Where it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct... Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that it's Sunday, Lord, and I thank you for the chance to be um, in your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here and to preach your word here at my home church. Lord, may I not take it lightly, um, but may I be thankful. Um, I pray that you would speak through me now, Lord, in this time, um, especially with the preparation beforehand that has gone into this. Um, but Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified um, in this time um, as we seek to study your word together. And it's in your name. Amen. One of the last normal church services that I went to before the COVID lockdown hit was Daniel Sieg's recognition service before he went to Siloam Missionary Homes. And um, that was really a true blessing to see him and, um, and for us to kind of send him off before he went to Siloam um, Missionary Homes full time. And I'd known Daniel Sieg since about when my family moved here in 2006 um, to this church. And I'm not sure if I've ever seen him mad at anybody ever since that time. He's always, he always seems to have a smile on his face um, when I see him. And he uses his gift of 
using his hands very well, um, especially when um, I think he made that ARC replica a few years ago in VBS um, for those kids there. And he led um, groups during the mission trips that we had went on in the past. And um, so it's always, it was a privilege for me to see Daniel serve the Lord in those ways um, through that. And I'm sure he's serving the Lord very well at his time at Siloam right now. Um, and so we see here that James, James would be very tickled about the godly example that Daniel is, um, about how um, he wisely uses his gift um, of, of serving um, with his hands. He uses it for service, for kindness to others. Um, very thankful. And so we see here that in our text this morning of James chapter 3, that James taught godly wisdom to his audience. And today, we need godly wisdom in our lives as well. Um, Some of you this morning may not be showing godly wisdom in your lives right now when you need to, like we all need to. And um, especially, you may be caring more about pleasing yourself than you are serving the Lord in this time, which is very much needed now as it is in all times. Um, But with this in mind, we could ask... How can we gain godly wisdom? How can we obtain this godly wisdom? Well, our text gives us three ways to do that. And uh, if you're taking notes, I recommend you um, jotting, uh, writing these down. Um, our text gives us three ways, which include all action, excuse me, action, caution, and relationship. And so we see here at the beginning of this text that we gain godly wisdom through action. Look, if you will, with me in verse 13. Now, James, in his letter, he's writing to um, groups of Christians, different Christian communities, who are dispersed um, outside of Jerusalem, possibly outside of the Palestine region, um, as it says that they were dispersed in chapter 1, verse 1 of James. And so he's writing to these groups, and he starts out with this question in verse 13, where he says, Who is wise and understanding among you now? This could be a rhetorical question, or it could be just James. He could just be seeing if anybody would properly stand up and say, Hey, look at me. I'm so wise. Check me out, you know. And, um, but obviously we know through this, as we'll see here in a little bit, that James will know that these people will have wisdom by their action. Look at that second sentence in verse 13 where he says, By his good conduct. There it is right there. There's an the action. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, if you have the NIV, that word meekness, as it says in the ESV, um, that meekness will be translated as humility in the NIV. Um, It's convenient that both of those words, meekness and humility, come from um, the same word in the original language, in the original Greek. So it means the same thing here. and so we see through this that godly wisdom means godly wisdom means showing your good works in action and not in bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And that's where um, James kind of transitions into verse 14, um, talking about what godly wisdom is not. Look in verse 14, if you will, with me. For it says, But if you have this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition... In your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. In other words, you cannot do something out of jealousy and selfishness and claim it to be wise, that action. 
if it's done out of this jealousness and self-centeredness. Um, in First Kings chapter 3, um, God came to King Solomon in a dream and told him that he could gain anything that Solomon asked for if he would just ask it of God. He could have, and as that text says, I think he could have asked for a number of things. He could have asked for money, fame, power, um, etc., etc. But instead of all those things, he asked for wisdom. Um, and in fact, James says in his, the, at the beginning of his letter, um, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. And so we see that Solomon had humility in asking for wisdom because it allowed him to serve others in his kingdom. Um, think about those two ladies that came to him at the back end of 1 Kings 3, um, where they both, the two ladies came to him with that one baby, each one claiming to be the mother. And out of wisdom, Solomon figured out who the real mother was out of those two. So we gain godly wisdom by actions. Folks, we know true Christians, true followers of Christ by their actions. James also says um, in the back end of chapter 2, he talks about that faith without works is dead. Um, He says in verse 18 of that, he says, um, Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So, what does he mean by that? Well, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. Um, Ephesians 2 tells us that. But what James is really getting at when he says that is that good works are not requirements of salvation. Good works are evidence of salvation. Um, So think about that lady who you might see at the grocery store who may need help with your groceries, and yet you have the opportunity to help her and tell her about Jesus, to tell her about the good news. COVID may have affected your job to where you're either unemployed or working from home, so you have more downtime on your hands. But if that's the case, use that time for God's glory. Use that time to spend it with possibly your wife or husband, Um, or your kids and grandkids, and pour gospel truth into them. And so we gain godly wisdom by action. But we also gain godly wisdom um, through caution. Look, if you will, with me in verse 15. He goes on to talk about this um, jealousness, this wanting of something that your neighbor has but you don't have, um, and this self-centeredness, this mindset to where it's just all about me, it's all about me. He continues to go on with that in verse 15 and says that this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It's where God is. Um, James says in chapter 1 also that only good things come above. So this ain't it, this jealousy and selfishness. That ain't, that don't come from there. Uh, But he goes on to say that it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Um, James is, you can tell through this, that James is warning his audience of how destructive it really is, this jealousy and selfishness. Even to the point where he says it's demonic. Now, when he says it's demonic, 
that could mean just the characteristics of demons themselves, or it could be um, the characteristics of Satan. Either way, it's completely anti-God and very bad. Um, uh, he, he doesn't stop there. James doesn't stop there. Look in verse 16 with me. For he says to where this jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So he's saying that these two things are at the root of every sin. He knew that these, this jealousy, the selfishness, selfishness, excuse me, could really damage the church. So he's saying, hey, hey now, if y'all want to be wise, don't do this. Don't be jealous of what your neighbor has. Don't be, don't be thinking it's all about you, because it's not. Statistics show that in 2009, there's been about the same amount of Christians, um, American adults who are Christians, um, who have gone to church. There's been about the same number of um, American, adult, uh, American adult Christians who have been going to church since 2009. What's, what's changed is, statistics show, that the people who claim to be Christian since 2009 have changed. Um, 2018, 2019, um, the statistics show that is 65% of American adults claim to be Christians. In 2009, that was 77%. So with that, we can generally say that we as a nation are going away from God. We as a nation are becoming less Christian. Um, And so we gain godly wisdom to... Avoid such selfishness, such self-centeredness to where you think it's about you and not about God. In fact, we read in Psalm 119, verse 36, it's a plea to the Lord which says, Lord, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Paul told the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. There it is. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. And so think about how destructive selfishness can be when you think about spending Friday night with your buddies instead of spending that much-needed time with your spouse who had a rough week. It's not wrong to spend time with your buddies on Friday night. It can be a good time. It sure can. But what if your spouse really needs you in this time that he or she is in right now? We ought to think about how destructive jealousness, jealousy can be um, when your friends are engaged, when your friends are married, when your friends are dating but you're still single and still looking for that special someone. Folks, we gain godly wisdom through caution. We gain it through action, but we also gain it through relationship. Look, if you will, with me in verse 17. Um, James just keeps on going. He transitions out of talking about um, what godly wisdom is not. Um, and, it go, and he transitions back into talking about what, um, what godly wisdom is um, in verse 17. You can tell this when he says, but 
the wisdom from above, from where God is, is first pure, then peaceable. Now, let's, why, don't, why don't we think about this for a minute? Um, how is this wisdom from above first pure before it is peaceable and gentle? Um, and so on and so forth. We've got to think about how, um, what does James mean by that word pure? He's not just talking about sexual purity. He's talking about a general, godly lifestyle. We are pure when we submit ourselves to Christ and live for Him. That's the way we express that purity. And we express that purity by showing it to others. And we, doing, and we do that by being peaceable toward others, by being gentle toward others, um, by being gentle toward them, by being open to reason with them, full of mercy towards them, showing good fruits, by being impartial with them, and being sincere. Now, when he talks about being impartial, he talks about treating everyone fairly with no favoritism. Um, James covered that pretty good at the front end of chapter 2. Um, but he also talks about being um, sincere, which by being sincere he means being honest with somebody, being real with somebody, and not being a hypocrite. Um, but he goes on to talk about this, um, this peace um, where he talks about being peaceable in verse 17. He goes on to talking more about being peaceable um, this piece in verse 18. Look there um, with me, please, if you will, where he says that in a harvest of righteousness, now that's depending on your translation, that could be, a, that could be fruit of righteousness. He says, in a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This godly wisdom sows the harvest of righteousness um, uh, or fruit of righteousness, and it's shown in peace. So it's, it's going to show. Um, James is telling his audience that those with godly wisdom are the peacemakers in their relationships with others. At least that's what they strive to be. I know Scripture says, too, that if it's possible, live in peace with everyone, if, if possible. John MacArthur once said that God can work peace through us only if he has worked peace in us. Church family, we can't glorify God in our relationships with others, in peace with others, until God has changed us and has saved us with the gospel, with the message of Christ Jesus. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord being that we are, we care so much about the Lord that we are in awe of Him and His love for us, that we are willing to obey Him and to do what He says and to serve Him with our lives. So folks, how, how we treat our relationship with God often shows by how we treat our relationships with others. I'll say, it, I'll say it again. How we treat our relationship with God often shows by how we treat our relationships with others. 
In John, verse, chapter 13 of John 13, verse 35, Jesus told his disciples that by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me ask you this morning is, um, too, um, ever since COVID has really changed, um, ever since COVID has changed, how church looks, how it's been different for us. Um, I know there was a little bit to where we went strictly online, then we back into um, letting people in. And how, how has your relationship with God changed since then in March? Since, I mean, with all of us being here, and I thank you all for being here to, um, to hear me this morning. Um, but I know that we could have just as easily... Um, had church in our pajamas um, with um, some scrambled eggs and bacon to watch church service. <laughs> how, how has your relationship with God changed since then, um, since COVID started? How has your prayer life changed? How has your scripture intake changed? Has it been for worse? Has it been for the better? Think about those people who you haven't seen here in church in a while, in a hot minute. How much would it mean to them if you reached out to them to see them, um, if they were comfortable with it, to go see them, to see how to see how they were doing, to pray for them, to ask what they want and need prayer for? I saw a picture on Instagram the other day about these two ladies um, who are neighbors. They're both really good friends. One of them had a Trump sign. One of them had a Biden sign. And what they did was, with those signs, they connected them um, in the middle with a heart. I think it was out of cardboard, or I want to say. They connected those two signs with a heart in the middle. And what they said was, and they wanted people to know that we can still get along even though we have different political views and are voting for different candidates. Where is that in our world today? Um, I know we see it some here or there, you know, but I mean, good gracious, if you look on social media, I mean, people are butting heads, people are stealing signs. Um, there's a lot of hate right now in our world of just going at each other's throats, all because of who we vote for. Um, how do you act in godly wisdom toward those people, toward those, those people who vote differently from you? Now, I know, I know, I'm sure by now that you know who you're voting for. I know who I voted for, but do you act in godly wisdom toward those um, who vote differently towards you. Do you show those people that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? How do you act? Do you act in wisdom um, towards those people? Do you show that? Do you show that you are um, a, um, part of the church, the body of Christ, that you are um, saved in Christ Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for 
this message uh, this morning. I just thank you for the chance and I'm able to be here um, to preach here to my home church. Lord, if there was anything that I had said that was not wise or ungodly, I pray that um, we would forget about it, that these people would forget about it, and that they would just take in um, what you would want them to get out of this message this morning. Um, Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray that I would not be a hypocrite of this um, as much as I'm sure that I'm going to mess up with it, um, with my sinful nature coming out of this place. But by your grace and your love, you are faithful toward us. You love us with your church. And we can sing and pray, sing to you and praise you. That great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All that I have needed, thy hands have provided. Lord, I pray that we would strive for this godly wisdom, that we would strive for godliness, that we would strive for righteousness, um, all because of, of you and who you are, that you saved us, all for your glory, Lord. And it's in your name I pray, amen.